You are listening to Cold Lake Community Church Podcast. I hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families come together. Today I thought I would uh, maybe share a little bit about me to you. A lot of you, some of you here know me and you've known me for years and know some things that are good about me and some things that are rather not so good. Others, you have no idea of me. You've never seen me before, maybe. But I would like to share some personal things with you today. I believe it will help for all of us as fathers. I thought I'd take this opportunity, seeing how this is Father's Day, and uh, we do have quite a few fathers in here, that I would focus in on that area. Amen? This doesn't mean that the word that will be proclaimed today is not pertinent to you as ladies or people who have not fathered children. But it is focused in on fathers more, okay? Now, I am a father. I have three Beautiful children. God has blessed me something amazing. And I want to tell you, brothers and sisters, it is not because I deserved it. I did nothing to warrant His grace in my life. I can't stand here and boast in myself in one little bit. It's all Jesus. You know, we saw these little children up here and you know God can do marvelous things in little children's lives that's why what Pastor Cynthia is doing is so important I met the Lord Jesus in well it was July 11th 1961 and you wouldn't think that an eight-year-old boy would have burdens and cares and weights upon him. But I remember, brothers and sisters, it was at Veteran Full Gospel Camp. I'll never forget it as long as I live. The man of God was preaching. I was sitting there with a friend. And at the end, he invited people to come forth to receive Jesus. My friend looked over at me and he said, you want to go up? I said, yeah, I do. And I went up and knelt at the altar. And that man of God came over. He knelt down beside me, laid his hand on me, and began to pray. And I asked the Lord into my heart that day. And when I got up off from that altar, I'll never forget it as long as I live. It was like, it was like a ton of weight came off of me. I, I can't explain it other than that. You have to live it. You can't explain something like this. But I'm almost certain that I left that tabernacle with my feet not even on the ground. It was absolutely marvelous. And then as time progressed and went on, and I got older, 
I didn't pay attention to the things of God. I uh, did my own thing. And I got into all kinds of trouble and foolishness and things that I don't need to mention them all here today because it's not, it it's not really going to glorify you or God or anybody if I get into that depth of all that. What suffice to say is that I got into some things that certainly were not godly. But one thing I never really got into is I never really got into the Word. When I was younger, I received Jesus. I got that joy that came into my life that I can't, it was just overwhelmed, flew over me, flooded over me. But I never got into the Word. Because when you're young, and in, when I grew up in the church, the emphasis was not on teaching children about the Word. Like there was Sunday school, sure. You learned some things, some basic things. And I'll never forget my Sunday school teacher. She gave me a Bible. I still got it to this day. 1959, I got that Bible. It was signed. And it said, read it every day, Johnny, and you'll grow. Good words, wisdom that I should have paid attention to, but didn't. And then her name was Loretta Lickness which maybe you know is Carolyn Don Johnson's grandmother. And um, she, was, she was just a blessing. She was only a young lady, but she was, a, she was a blessing. But she wrote in there, read it every day and you'll grow. Well, I didn't bother. I got into doing the things I wanted to do and things that weren't very good. But one day, I'll never forget the day the Lord saved my life. Now, my father had bought me a small motorcycle in 1964, and it was, a, it was brand new. It was a little Honda 50 Cub. And I was so excited about that bike. Man, I love that thing. I didn't even sleep for two days when he told me I got it. You know, and, and you know, I was always waiting for that because he was going to deliver it, right? And we lived at the end of the road, man. Right at the end of it. Little cow trail. And I was... One day I was with Dad there, and he said, well, he might bring that bike over today, son. But don't get too excited, because Dad never wanted to get your hopes up too high, you know, in case the guy never showed up. So he said, don't get your hopes up too high. But <clears throat> during the day, I kept looking down that road, man, looking for that dust, because I knew nobody came to visit us down at the end of the road early at all. If there was dust, it was my bike. And I was pretty, I'd be pretty excited about that. So anyway, sure enough, about noon, along comes that dust. It was a gentleman bringing my motorcycle. <clears throat> well, I got on that thing and I rode it and I just loved it. I rode all over the place. And I was a kind of a kid who didn't like to settle down much. I was always on the go. You could not stop me from going. I just, I don't know, just lots of energy, you know. Uh, still doing pretty good in that area. <laughs> but but I, was, I was a force to be reckoned with when I was like, you know, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, that age, eh? So I think Dad actually regretted buying me that thing because he never kept me at home. But anyway, after a while, Dad was convinced that I'd be no good to be on the farm. He said to Mom, he said, that boy will never settle down and be on the farm. We might as well forget it. So Dad was interested in a jewelry business. So he went and took his course and, and passed his course and everything, decided to move and start his little business. So we sold the farm and went to town. Which, to be honest with me, with you, brothers and sisters, that wasn't such a great idea for me. Because I got hooked up with all kinds of the wrong people, right? <clears throat> I seemed to migrate to that. 
I, I don't know what it was. I seemed to migrate to that Johnny good time life. It just was something that's in me. So I still got to fight against that. And uh, so anyway, this, we moved to town. And this one day, I decided that I was going to take a trip out to the lake because I heard there was some action taking place. So I went out to this place called Gooseberry Lake. Now, you have to remember, the roads back then weren't like they are today. We were talking gravel roads. There'd be three s- strips down the road. Most of you, some of you are old enough to remember this kind of stuff. Some of you are a little younger. You go, oh, what, what does that mean? You know, but, but there was three strips that people would drive on, meeting one another and passing one another. And I went out there, and there happened to be nobody around. So I was a little disappointed on my way back. Now, there was a hill on that road. Now, back then, what we called it was a whoopsie-daisy hill. Now, some of you knew what that is, some of you don't. But a whoopsie-daisy hill is a hill that when you gain up a buff speed, you come over it, it's, it was, the roads weren't leveled out nice. They were kind of hilly, you know. It, it was a hill like this, and you would go over it with enough speed, you would lose your stomach. It would be, woo, you know, because it would come up from the, from the drop of the car. So we called that whoopsie-daisy, eh? That was a whoopsie-daisy hill. Huh? So anyway, <laughs> people would gain speed up to go over that. So anyway, I'm coming back from the lake. Now, I'm going along on my little bike that's got wheels about this wide, and I'm hanging on to the handlebars, and I'm driving along, and I'm in my side of the road. Now, there's a track there, one down here, and one down here, and I'm right over in my side of the track, right where I'm supposed to be, riding my bike. I come to the base of that whoopsie-daisy, and the Lord spoke to me. Didn't speak to me in my head, spoke to me inside. And it was so loud and it resonated so loud that it scared me almost. You know, I, I jerked because he said, move over, just like that. And it, it, I, I didn't hear it here, but I heard it here. And it scared me. And I went like this. I still remember gripping onto the, the handlebars, the bike, because the last place you wanted to ride was in the gravel. Now you get out of that track, the gravel's from, you know, cars moving the gravel over. It was like this. I moved over to the far side of that road, hanging on like this, you know, and all of a sudden over that hill come a car in my path, right where I was. And he was flying because he was probably trying to get that effect. He came over the hill. I remember the rocks. I remember the dust hitting my bike. And I just sort of closed my eyes and he went, (laughs) had I not paid attention to that loud, booming voice, and moved over, you wouldn't be hearing me today, for sure. I was right in the way of his, kind of his path. So that taught me something. I went home to Mom, and I said, you know, Mom, I said, the Lord saved my life today. Well, as a mother, she said, oh, that's good, you know, whatever. But she, she, I didn't really get into it. She didn't question me too much about it, but, you know, just something, I guess. And, you know, I never forgot what the Lord had done for me. You see, God's teaching us things. Amen. He loves us. And if we'll just pay attention to him, he'll direct our paths. You see, his word is true. Even though I wasn't following his word, I still was his son. And he still had care and concern about me. It wasn't based on my performance. It was based on his love for me. I was his child. Amen? So he loved me and cared for me enough to save my life. Well, as it was, Time came along, it was time to move on. Came up to Coal Lake, 1971. Well, Coal Lake was a lot different than concert, let me tell you. 
we, came, we moved on to the uh, Air Force bases where I came because a friend of mine, his brother worked in the forces. So coming from concert to the military base was a giant step for me. And boy, was it a fun place. Huh? You see, that's what really got me excited, man. I'll tell you. The military wasn't like it was today. It was really a fun place back then. It was, it, I'll tell you. <laughs> today, well, you know, maybe I shouldn't say it. But, but anyway, back in those days, I mean, the military carried a certain honor. When you walked on the base, when you were hung around, you know, there was a certain sort of demeanor about the whole thing that, that just resonated honor. You know, it was, more, it was a little different than it is today and demanded respect. And it was quite the place for a young fellow like myself to come in. Of course, all kinds of, all kinds of things happened around here. Amen? So next to say, I got into all kinds of trouble. I got hooked up with somebody who was 13 years my senior and had kids, four of them to be exact. So even though back then I wasn't, didn't father a child, I was in the mode of fathering. I was put into that lifestyle at 21. Well, I didn't have a clue. It's like the blind leading the blind. The Bible says you're both going to the ditch. I had no, I had no idea of what it would be like to try to bring direction and instruction to somebody that's like three years younger than me. That's the oldest child. And then down from there. The younger ones, they learned to have some respect for me. The older ones, yeah, it's just John. Right? I had, I had no idea what I was doing. I tried to do my best. Evidently things didn't work out too well, did they? To be honest with you, the whole mess <laughs> turned out to be a blessing in the long run. Because if I'd have stayed in that ungodly life, I don't know where I'd be today. Amen? So I'll explain to you exactly kind of a little bit what happened there. <clears throat> One day, after we had split up and all this had taken place, I'm working down at a garage in Coal Lake here. It's actually right where the Chrysler store is now. It was called Parkland Chrysler then. And I was working there as a mechanic. That is my trade. And uh, I'm working on a vehicle. A young fella comes over to me. And he goes to me and says, Do you know about the Lord? I says, Yeah. I says, uh, I'm born again. He said, You know, he said, I know that because when I was over there, and he was a car wash boy. He said, Well, I was over there washing the car. The Lord spoke to me and said, go talk to Brother John. He didn't know me from Adam. He came over. Now here's another thing. You see, the Lord is concerned about our every move. It don't matter. You, you can get out there. The Bible says that God is in hell. We'll go right down to hell to get you out if he has to. You get that? That's how much he cares for you. That's how much he cares for me. So anyway, he comes over and talks to me and says, yes, I know. The Lord had called, told me to call you brother. So then he just, we just strike up a conversation. He invites me out to a meeting. Well, now this is definitely different for me because I hadn't been to church for a long time. But still, 
something about the things of God excited me. Still, something went off inside, right? Because I'd been to services before and I'd seen some things taking place as a younger fellow and of course I'd met the Lord so I had some understanding a little very little but I still had some and so anyway he um, he says why don't you come out to a meeting I says yeah maybe I'll try that so I go to this meeting we have a good time and everything I go home and I believe it was the next night after work I'm sitting in my chair now I'm in this trailer all by myself I'm sitting down in the, in the chair and I'm just pondering on a few things that have been happening in the last little while. Some things that have just been going on. And I sit down in the chair and the Lord speaks to me. And he says, John, you know that experience that you had in 61? And I go, yeah, where you met me, yeah. You know that the joy that flooded your soul, you know that, that, that exceedingly great mighty joy that's in you? I said, yeah, yeah. He says, you know, son, he said, there's no guarantee that if you continue living the way you're living, that that will remain with you. Wow. I'll tell you, talk about the chastening of the Lord. He uses his word to chasten you, chastise you, and to direct you. He's not going to beat you over the head with sickness and disease. He uses his word. That word hit me as hard as any man could ever punch me. And it scared me. Because the very... The, like I'd been through business failures, bankruptcy, all kind. Of, I never went bankrupt, but ba- business failure to where I had to sell everything off to pay off my bills. And people would ask me, how can you possibly go through this and not be just a wreck? And I couldn't really, t- I didn't really stand up and say, well, it's because of Jesus. I didn't do that. I just said, well, it's not bothering me that much. And the reason it didn't bother me that much was because of the Lord and that joy and that peace that was there. But when the Lord spoke to me and said, if I continue to live my lifestyle and don't pay attention, that, there's no guarantee that would stay with me. That scared me. And I turned. And I never looked back. And I ain't going to look back. Because I do not want to miss what the Lord has for me. And I know you don't either. So fathers, let's pay attention. Let's pay attention to what the Word of God is saying. Let's put it first place. Let's not get so caught up in everything else in life that we forget what's really important. Because there's an awful lot of responsibility on you and me. I said, there's an awful lot of responsibility on you and me. You see, there's lives that hang in, our balance, in the balance because of you and me. We got families. We got children. We got people that are around us that are either going to be influenced one way or the other by us. So we better pay attention. We'd better buck up. And we better realize that the most important thing is not our status in society. Or how many things we own. Or how big our house is. The real important thing is Jesus. And how you're going to portray that to your children. Amen? Let's go into the word here. We'll go into the 
book of Proverbs. I like Proverbs. I believe, I believe Proverbs is a book that is designed for men and young boys. If you read Proverbs, young men, you'll understand some things about running wild. You'll understand some things about getting into trouble with women. You understand what can take place if you don't pay attention. If you let your body, if you let your body rule you, young man, older man, myself. If, you let, if we let our bodies rule us, we'll get into big trouble. And it's easy to do. Don't sit out there and say that it never happened to me. That's when you can stumble and fall. Because let me tell you, Satan knows the areas to push on your buttons. He knows which button to push. And all of us men have a bit of a weakness in the area, you know, with women, if we don't pay attention. Anybody agree with me on that? Yeah, we better pay attention, fathers. We better pay attention. Because one wrong move could destroy your whole family. Pay attention. You see, when I was, when I was younger, I'll have, you know, you may not know it right, you may not know it to look at me, but I did have a bit of appeal when I was younger. <laughs> and, and you know, there was an occasion or two that the ladies would come my way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> so I've been there. It didn't matter if she was short or tall or skinny or fat. <laughs> well, I'm just being a little bit open with you today. <laughs> and even back then, you might not have wanted to trust your wife around me. But that's changed. Glory to God, that's changed. You see, I know. I can tell you from experience. Wrong things can happen in a hurry. Be on guard, brothers. Pay attention. My son, chapter 2, Proverbs 1. Or Proverbs 2, 1. My son, if thou receive my instruction and hide my commandments within thee, so that thou incline thy ear unto wisdom and apply thy heart to understanding, yea, if thou crowest after knowledge and liftest up thy voice for understanding, if thou seekest her as silver and searchest for her as for hidden treasures, then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord giveth wisdom out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. Three. Proverbs chapter three. My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. For length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck Write them upon the tablets of thy heart. So shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. Trust the Lord with all thy heart and lean not to thy own understanding. 
In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Amen? Be not wise in thy own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It shall be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. Honor the Lord with thy substance and with thy first fruits of all thy increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. Amen? Proverbs 4 and 1. Hear ye children the instruction of a father and attend to no understanding. For I give you good doctrine or good teaching. Forsake ye not my law. For I was my father's son, tender and only beloved in the sight of my mother. He taught me also and said unto me, let thy heart retain my words. Keep my commandments and live. Get wisdom. Get understanding. Forget it not. Neither decline from the words of my mouth. Forsake her not and she shall preserve thee. Love her and she shall keep thee. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And with, thy, with all thy getting, get understanding. Wow. Good instruction to you and me, fathers. Good instruction to everyone. But this is written for us to pay attention to that we would not forsake the law of God. Amen? See, the Bible, see, we have knowledge, understanding, and wisdom here written in these uh, scriptures here. And, and they're kind of like the Trinity. You know, they all, t- they all come together, but each one has some differences. You know? Like knowledge is a result or condition of knowing and learning. The result or condition of knowing or learning. The Bible says in Hosea 4.6, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Destroyed, that word destroyed, actually, if you go in there and study it, it means you're cut off. Now, are you cut off because God just whacks you off and says, that you're done. Yeah. no, brothers and sisters. You and I are cut off because we are not knowledgeable in the things of God. Therefore, we do not know how to attain it for ourselves. Now, I, I, I want to say something here to you today, and, and I, tr- I trust you'll take this with the right attitude and everything, and, and I'm, not, I'm not being mean or anything like this, but too often in the church, we believe that God's going to do everything for us. A- and we've come to this mentality that if it's good, it'll happen to me because I'm a, I am who I am. I'm a son of God. But that's not really the case, brothers and sisters. Because do you remember Jesus said that all power and authority is given unto me both in heaven and the earth? You know, that's true. All power and authority was given unto him. But you know what he did right after he said that? Do you know that he, said, that he, that he, he conveyed that authority over unto you and me as the church? Do you realize that, that, that Jesus conveyed all that over unto you and me? Because he didn't he tell us to go into the world to make disciples. He told us that we were to, we were to go and we were to do the works of God. That power and authority was given over unto, unto us. Now that means then there's certain responsibilities that are required of us. That means that God has many wonderful things for you and me, but they're not just going to fall out of heaven on us. 
there's a certain requirement for us. Now, we, we, need to, we need to really think about this for a second because this is an area in the church, I believe, is, it, it, it's, it's, it's getting kind of laxed because we're kind of sitting back and saying to ourselves, God loves me. Good will happen to me no matter what. Whereas, it's not really the case, is it, brothers and sisters? Because if that was the case, everybody would be enjoying all of the blessings. Did you know that Jesus didn't just die for you? Do you know that he died for the whole world? He died for your neighbor. He died for the most wicked wretch in this town. Do you know that? So now, if that is true, and it really belongs to everyone in this town, why isn't everybody born again? Did you ever ask yourself that? If all of that belongs to everyone, why isn't everyone receiving the benefits of it? Do you know why? Because God has a plan, and you know what that plan is? That they have to stand up, turn from their wicked ways, and receive what's rightfully theirs. There's no different for you and me to receive the gifts of God, to receive what's rightfully ours. That puts, that puts an onus on us, doesn't it? It puts an onus on us to pay attention. It pays, puts an onus on us to go before the Father and get into his word and find out what really pertains to us. What, does it, what pertains to us, fathers? What is it that God desires of us? Is it that we just go to work every day, bring home a living? That's true, that's good, that's good. Is it that we just hang about with our kids somewhat? You know, and, and spend some time with them and, and, and play sports with them and take them to hockey and that and, and, and you know, all that kind of stuff. Is, is, that what it, is that what it means? Is that, is that the extent of what we are as fathers? Or is there more to it? Is there a greater depth to what our father would require of us in the bringing up of our children? Now, the sad part about it is There's not enough fathers in here. Let me be perfectly honest with you. The fathers aren't standing up and being who they need to be. They're busy with everything else. And, and, and sad to say, a lot of mothers are bringing up the families. That, that's not right. You see, what amazes me is that we have, right on our laps, the greatest and most important instructional book in the world. It's sitting right on your lap. It's the, it's the word of God. And what, you know what amazes me is that the majority of the world has no idea about what is written in that book. And then we wonder why there's so many problems in society. Let me read you something here. I, I, I was just going through my concordance. You know, just, I'm the, I actually was in the beginning just about studying the, what I had to say about study. It's a big book. I brought it for effect. <laughs> But anyway, so <laughs> uh, I want to read you something here. It's, this is excellent. This is excellent. I want, this, this is good because this is right where the rubber really meets the road. Now, this was written a long time ago, but it's still pertinent today. You see, the things of God never change. There's no time. There's no time limit on the things of God. I don't care if you're 150 or if you're 50 or 5. It all pertains to you. Listen to this. If Christians today are going to make significant 
contributions toward the right approach to the moral issues of our time, they will need to be able to think biblically. That leads us to consider the important subject of the value of Bible study in the development of, Christ, of the Christian way of thinking. The Apostle Paul see, speaks of a renewing of the mind, which is in Romans 12 too. And that is achieved by allowing the Word of God to effect a transformation in our patterns of thought. We do not think biblically naturally. We are affected by the environment around us. We need to recondition our minds by exposing ourselves to biblical ways of thought. We need to let the word of Christ dwell in us richly. That's Colossians 3.16. That in itself is a powerful motive for Bible study we are reminded that Jesus knew the powerful effect of the Word of God in overcoming temptation. That's Matthew 4, 1 to 11. His mind was conditioned by the Scriptures and he was therefore fortified in his clash with the tempter. Now isn't that excellent? There's where we act, are at today. Fathers. You see, basically, are we getting our mind renewed by the Word of God? Are we spending time in the Word of God to renew our minds, fathers, so that we can be that force that is needed in our families? that godly example? Or are we more busy with everything else around us? Now I want to say something to you. I'm, 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 I'm honestly, I believe that the Lord has been jacking me up on this because you know what, this, this, this message came pretty strong at me, preaching at me. I am not spending the time in the word that I need to. I'm just not doing it. I'm, I'm busy I spend, I work 12 hours a day. Granted, it's only four days a week. But still, it, it, you know, I tend to get tired. And maybe this, maybe I have to make some adjustments in my life. Maybe my fourth day, perhaps maybe I don't run around and do everything I want. Maybe I sit down with the Lord a bit. Maybe you have to do the same thing. Because we can be guaranteed of one thing. If we do not do it, if we do not spend time in the Word, if we do not get the mind of Christ, we will make mistakes. Now, by the grace of God, we can back out of those mistakes, hopefully with not too many repercussions. If we'll pay attention, you know, if, we'll, if we'll get before God and repent of our, of our, our ways and turn. Because, you know, there's some things that take place because we do not spend time in the Word that the consequences are everlasting. You know, and that's bad. We don't want to be in that position. What do you say we change before that happens? Every day, brothers, as fathers, 
You need to lift your children and your family up before the Lord. You need every day to pray God's protection over them. Because if there's one thing Satan would like to do, he'd like to rip off your family. He'd like to take your kids from you. He'd like to bring circumstances and people and things past their path that will influence them in an ungodly fashion. He'd like, to get him in a, he'd like to get him in an automobile where somebody would dare him to do something and they would, they would stand up and take that dare and make a mistake and harm themselves or somebody else. This is real stuff. And this is why sometimes we wonder why do bad things happen? Sometimes what it actually is, brothers and sisters, is we've just opened the door and allowed some things to come in. That's exactly what it is. We didn't pay attention what the Lord's been talking to us and talking to us and talking to us and talking to us. Come. Come at my feet. Listen to me. Learn of me. My ways are easy. My burdens and yokes are light. Learn of me. You'll gain strength. You'll gain power. You'll have the ability to, to deal with the clash of the enemy. This is our responsibility, fathers. So we have understanding and we have wisdom. Let me give you a bit of an allegory, okay? Because just, just, we all understand what a tree is. A tree, we'll sit, every one of us will stand out there and we'll look at a tree and we'll see it tall and we'll see it whatever. We'll see the leaves on it. That's about as far as our, sometimes as our knowledge goes. If we were to study about a tree, we may have, do you realize that some trees, brothers and sisters, do you realize that some trees, the root system goes out farther or as far as the tree is high? See, remember, never, maybe we didn't really realize that. That a tree standing in the forest, its root system can go out as, high, as far as it is tall. See, now you've gotten a little more understanding about a tree. At first, you just knew it was a tree by a name. You were learning. But then you got a little more understanding. You learned about the root system of that tree and how it goes out all over. Let me ask you, would it be wise, now we're talking about wisdom now, so we've got, we've got some knowledge, we've got some understanding now. Would it be wise if we went around that tree and at three feet from that br- the, the, the stump of that tree, we cut all the root system? Would that be wise? See, even though we have knowledge and we have some understanding would it be wise to cut the roots now that we have understanding of the tree we might think that the tree may fall because it has no root well brothers and sisters it's no different with the word of God God has a root system that's just his love reaches out to every one of us he has he has tentacles reaching out to every one of us roots him it's all over it's all around us you think it's wise if we don't have any understanding or lack, lack understanding that we, that, we don't, that we don't bother to pay attention to what God is doing around us? Would that be wise? Would it be wise to cut ourselves off from that situation? Would it be wise to cut ourselves off from the word of God, the love that he's trying to spread out towards us? We cut ourselves off. Is that wise? Even though we have some knowledge and we have some understanding, would it be wise to do that? Most certainly it would not be wise. See, there's a difference. There's a difference between the knowledge and the understanding and the wisdom. The Bible says that we need to get all three of those. And as fathers, we need that. 
I know there's sometimes, and I've, I've had it in my life, when your children do some things. Now, my, my, my babies are all grown up and they've left home. But some of you are dealing with children and a lot younger. You know, it might not just be as easy as you think it is to raise kids all, you know. It, there, there could be some tough times for you yet. You, you, could, you, could have to, you could have to go before the Lord on a few things yet. <laughs> In fact, I guarantee it. You are going to have to go before the Lord on a few things. <laughs> uh, I'm, not, I'm not being facetious. I mean, I, that's, that's the truth. Because there are things, children are children. Now, if your kids, your children, do something that's contrary to your way of thinking, contrary to the Word of God, contrary to... Do you think it's wise just to throw them out on the street? You see, it's, it, it's important that you get understanding knowledge and use some wisdom in some things that's why the bible says wisdom is the principal thing get wisdom get what god's get god's mind on things you could throw your children out because you're mad at them and send them off into the world you could put them out in the very place they don't need to be i know it's not easy sometimes when you're bringing your children up and they're doing some things in the home that isn't exactly you know what you'd like to see them do and some of you are a little young for this yet but you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna remember some of this later You see, you need to operate in accordance to the word, not how you feel emotionally. Because if you get your emotions involved in everything, every move you make, you definitely will go sideways. You definitely will go sideways. And fathers, we do not want to do that. We don't want to go sideways. We want to be men who will sit down before we react. Don't get that knee-jerk reaction. Sit down. Spend some time with the Lord over the situation. Let yourself mellow out a little bit. There's been times when I've had to do that. Just sit down. Just pray about it. And then the Lord will drop something in your heart. Or He'll give you some direction. But fathers, don't just react because it's easy to do it this way. It's easy just to, just to throw a punch or slap or beat somebody, whatever. That's sometimes us guys, we've got to watch that because we, could, we have a tendency to let that physical part of us come to the surface. We are physical guys. That's what men are. They're physical. Women are a little more emotional. But men, we tend to let things fly first and then say, oops, later. That's not right. Amen? Important lesson for us to learn, fathers. I've had to restrain myself, and I'm sure many of you who have been around with older children have too. Amen? Or am I the only one? Some of you young dads, make sure you pay attention. When your turn comes to bring discipline and direction, do it with love and in a godly manner. Don't do it because you're just raging mad. That will do nothing but bring problems. In Galatians 5, 
22 and 23, the Bible names the nine fruits of the Spirit. Do you know something? In those nine fruits of the Spirit, there's not one mention about knowledge, understanding, or wisdom. You know what's that? You know what we're talking about, the fruits of the Spirit? You know what Spirit we're talking about? The fruits of the Spirit, the Spirit of Christ. It's in you. There's not one mention about any of those. Do you know why? You don't acquire it by receiving the Spirit of God. You acquire it by going to work and digging out the nuggets in the Bible. You acquire that knowledge and that understanding and that wisdom by spending time with your Maker. You don't get it by osmosis. You don't get it just because you're a Christian. Important point, isn't it? It requires some discipline on our part so that we can be good directors of, uh, you know, good, good uh, leaders. You cannot rely on relationship alone, brothers and sisters to bring about change. Just because you're a daddy and you love your children, that doesn't mean that things are going to always go just the way you want them to go. Just because you have a re- good relationship with your children, that doesn't mean that good change is going to acquire come because of that. You need more. You need more direction. You need more guidance. You need to help your children in a biblical way of thinking. And it's hard to do that, brothers, fathers. It's hard to do that if we have nothing to draw from. If, our, if we're drawing from our lifely experiences rather than our biblical knowledge, it is hard to bring about godly direction. You see, nothing really happened in my life. Now, I shared some, I shared some of my, I bared my soul before some of you, who I was, what kind of person I was. But you know what? Nothing really changed for the better in my life until 1983. Now in 1983, the Lord had spoke to me, like I told you, remember he said, there's no guarantee you keep living like the way you are, John, that you're going to maintain this, this joy. There's no guarantee that's going to stay. In 1983, when I changed and got into the word of God, that is when things begin to happen for me. That is when it began to shine. And not until then. Had some sin. The Bible says sin has a pleasure for a season, and it does. We'd be a fool if we said there's no pleasure in any sin. But that, there was no life in it. It was all plastic. The life never happened for me. The light never happened for me until I got into the Word of God. I cannot emphasize that enough. Because that is where the pinnacle, the turning point will be in your life, brothers, fathers, if you are not in the Word, if you will change and get into the Word of God, you will immediately begin to see 
a change. And it'll change from the inside out. It'll change in you first. That's where it's going to start. And as you begin to be the men of God, the fathers of God, that God has called us to be, then our families will blossom. You, as a, fa as a father, will take your rightful position as a leader. Not allowing, not letting everybody else, not letting your wife be the leader of the home. You know, your home is not really a democracy, brothers. It's not based on a vote. You really are to acquire godly principles and put those godly principles into practice and lead your home. If you make a mistake, then you make a mistake. You ask the Lord to help you get out of it. But the thing is, it's not, it's not, it's not based on a democracy. It's based on you being a godly leader and leading your family because God has put the emphasis and the onus on you, not your wife, to be the leader. You are to be a man of God who loves your wife like Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. And you are to do the same with your children because Christ gave himself for the children too. You need to love your children and give yourself for them. And that is easier to say than it is to do. In our society especially. Because there's a lot of pressure on you brothers to perform. And not perform godly. To perform in what is society's level of success. What they deem successful. That's not where it's at. You could be making a thousand bucks a month and be a better father than somebody who's making a hundred thousand a year. It doesn't, it's not based on your wallet. In fact, you know what? I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. A lot, of, a lot of us that make money tend to bring things before our children to try to make them happy, usually in the area of things, whether it be quads, skidoos, bikes. If you're, if you're kind of a, a young lady whose love language is things, then perhaps you'll get more dresses and, and a fancier bedroom and all this kind When really what those kids really want, you know what they really want? They'd put all that aside if you'd just spend some time with them. If you'd just take them aside and show them how much you love them and just, and just be with them, just hang with them. But too often what we're doing is we're too busy in society, so what we do is we, we brush that relationship part off, kind of, and we buy them something to help them to enjoy themselves. When really, they're not really enjoying themselves. Because as soon as they get the quad, and they drive it for a bit, the novelty wears off. Now there's a low. What happens in that low? Do we buy them something else? No, what they really need is dad. What they really need is dad. Dad just to hang with them. Dad just to talk to them. Dad just to, just to love on them. Sit down together. Read the Bible together. Say, son, just want to read the scripture to you. Make it, you know, whatever. Make it fun. Make it relationship-wise. It's really the truth, isn't it? It's really right where, right, right where practicality is in our lives. See, this is, this is what practical Christianity is all about. It's not about always about you know, ooh, ooh, 
you know? It's about right where we're at. It's about us being who we're to be. Glory to God. Fathers, I'm sure we can get this done. I know we can get these done. I know we can be the fathers that God has called us to be. Glory to God. <laughs> it's a little quiet in here, but you know, that's okay. I'm, I'm sure, I'm, you know, it's amazing what happens when the Lord's working on our hearts, right? That's why I say, it's nothing to sneer at. It's no small thing to be a father. It's easy just to father a child, but it's a lot harder to be a father. Another point, brothers, fathers, that we must have, we must have, if we're going to be godly leaders in our home, we must have confidence. We will not arrive at the goal we want if we are not confident. Now, I'm not talking about a self-confidence. I'm not talking in the confidence that you got it all together yourself. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a confidence in what God can do for you and yours. I said, what God can do for you and yours. Because ultimately, that's what we're facing here. What God can do for you and yours. Because that's what comes up when there's problems in your home. When there's sickness, when there's disease, when your baby's got a fever. When your baby's got an illness. When your babies aren't feeling well. When your wife is not feeling well. When you're not feeling well. What do we do? We learn what God can do for us and ours. We have confidence in that. <clears throat> confidence. Firm belief or trust, boldness, assurance is the dictionary's definition of that. 1 John 3.21 says, Beloved, if our heart condemns us not, then we have confidence towards God. Brothers, if our heart condemns us not, then we have confidence towards God. Very important issue here. If we're doing, now, every one of you guys, every one of us fathers, every, actually everyone in this room, we know when, we're, when we're, we're going crossways of the Word of God, when we're doing something that's not right. If you're turning on the computer and your eyes are gazing across the wrong stuff, you know that. If you're staring at the neighbor's wife, you know about that. You see, brothers and sisters, it's pretty tough to have confidence towards God when you and I aren't doing the things right. Fathers, we need, to, we need to be in a position where we, if we're, if we're in a position where we're doing things wrong, we need to repent. We need to turn from that. And we need to have, to be in a position so that our hearts don't condemn us. Now, make sure 
that you're not letting Satan condemn you. Because he'll bring all kinds of things up from your past and he'll make sure he brings someone across your path to condemn you. Now, if you're going to listen to that, that's wrong. God loves you. You're his children. And he has your best interest at stake. So don't let somebody condemn you. Amen? Because that, that, that is an area that happens in a lot of Christians' lives. And I, I, it's sad to say, but it, it, it does happen. To where somebody will bring either a word or perhaps you're, you're not, you're not, you don't minister love to somebody and you actually gouge them. And you can do a lot of damage in a person's life. Remember, if your heart is condemning you because of wrong living, get rid of that. It's not worth it. It's not worth it, really. It, it, it's only for a short season. And you, you have a bit of fun for a short season, but then it comes back on you. It is not the way to live. Allow that washing of God's word just to clean you up. Mm. Just to wash your heart clean. You be pure, holy, spotless before him. A workman rightly dividing the word of God. Glory to God. On fire for him. Just wanting to hear from him. Taking your issues before him. Letting this, letting him work in your life, work through you, in you, and through you. Blessing your family. Seeing the increase come to your family. Seeing your children blossom and grow up so that they can bring forth fruit. You can leave a heritage, brothers. Glory to God. Can you imagine leaving such a heritage? You can look back on your life when you're older than I am and, uh, and say, glory to God. Look what has taken place. Look, what's Look what the Lord has done. You can reflect. My children are all walking with the Lord. Their babies are healthy. They're walking with the Lord. They're going to church. They're, they're ministering to people around them. What a wonderful thing. What a wonderful heritage. It is so much greater than power and riches and wealth. Oh my God. Now don't get me wrong. You know, God wants to bless you. He wants to bless you financially. But let's not put so much emphasis on that that we forget about everything else. Glory to God. We're a blessed people. He loves us. And if you, and, and, and I'll tell you, just even in my short span of life, I'm only 60 years old. But still, <coughs> excuse me, but still, I reflect back on what the Lord has done and it makes me smile. I'll be driving along, his cruising along in my truck or whatever, and I'll be thinking, yeah. That's good. That made, that, it was all worth it. 1961. 1961, I was a child of God. Glory to God. I say, that was worth it. Every bit of it was worth it. Now today, glory to God. There's fruits from that. It's never for nothing. It's not, it's not in vain. Don't think it's in vain. Glory to God. You may be doing something today that seems hard, hard, hard. 
hard to do. But you know what? A year down the road, two years down the road, all of a sudden you'll come through that and you'll say, you know what? Glory to God. I, am, I, can, I can see where his hand was in this. I can see where when we prayed, it didn't look like anything was happening right away. But you know what? Down the road a little ways, it did. I see it now. I see where God's hand was in that. I see that when we prayed, God listened. God moved on our behalf. I see it now. And it will bless your heart. And it has. I mean, every one of us here have received blessings, right? From, you know, answers to prayer and stuff. It's a blessing to your heart. Glory to God, what a great life we have. We are, we are people most blessed. And you know what? Jesus is coming back. And it might not be that long. You know what? We are all going to be together. We're going to be together in heaven. Do you realize that? We are going to be together in heaven. Now what a blessed place that will be. See, that's for us. We have eternal life. It is, oh, that's exciting. Because that really gets my heart, that gets my heart going. I'll never taste of death. My body may go to the grave. Jesus doesn't come. But I'm never tasting of death. Glory to God. I'm a winner. I'm a blessed man. You are too. Let's see it on your face. Huh? Come on, get excited about it because it's real, it's true. There's more truth in what we're speaking about today than there is that the sun's going to shine tomorrow. Come on, the Word of God is greater than the sun that shines. The Word of God says that you and I have eternal life. We don't know how long the sun's going to shine. But we know for sure we're living forever. Come on, it's truth. Glory to God, that's good news. I'll tell you, that's, that's, we should be jumping. Because you have been taken out of death and you have been translated into life. Glory to God. Fathers, relay that to your children. Get some enthusiasm in your life. Show them that serving Jesus is a blessing. Show them by, uh, by your enthusiasm that it's real. Don't drag yourself around and say, woe is me because i got to serve God. Woe is me because I can't go down to the bar and watch the strippers. Come on. Look at that beautiful lady the woman's, uh, Lord's given you. Hey, huh? You can dance. <laughs> oh, just forget. Whatever. But anyway, I'll tell you. You want to pay attention to things that are real. Amen? Amen. Glory to God. The rest of it. So, there's so much plastic stuff around us. I remember that was one thing I did notice when I was going to the bar and stuff. Oh my goodness, it was so plastic. It was so phony. There wasn't an ounce of realism in any of it. You don't want that life. Stay away from that. Glory to God. First John 5, 14 and 15 says, This is the confidence that we have in Him. That if we ask anything according to His will, He what? He hears us. Now, if he hears us, then we know, 
we have the petitions that we have asked of him. Confidence, brothers. You've got to know his will. Because the Bible says, if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Get his will down. Get so that you know his will. So then when you go before him and ask him, you're not going, oh, I wonder if this is going to work. You see, that's not what it's about. It's about going to the Father and expecting to receive what you've asked because you're not asking amiss. You're asking according to the Word of God, which is a promise given to you and I, a promise by God Almighty given to you and I. How great a promise. Who could promise anything more? Who could, who could stand behind a promise more? A promise given to you and I that when we go before him, he hears us, and then because we've asked according to his will, we got the answer. So let's expect it. Let's not go home, and let's not go home and say, oh, is that going to work for me? Is that true? Get into the word of God. If you haven't got it in your heart, brothers, get it in your heart so that when you lead your family in prayer, You're not doing it as a religious act, but you're doing it as something that you understand there is power and forces taking place. Things are happening. The devil and all of hell has to listen. Glory to God. We'll tear them apart. Because we got the power. We got the authority. It's been given to us. We don't have to sit back and take this. We don't have to sit back and see the devil ruin our families. Fathers, we got the strength. We've got the power to make a change. Let's get into the Word of God. Let's get it in our hearts. Let's believe it and let's act upon it and let's see a difference and then we rejoice together and our families rejoice too glory to God hallelujah the Bible says in Hebrews 10 35 and 36 don't cast your confidence away Because it's possible to do that. It's possible to sit down and say, I got no confidence in that. But it's also possible to stand up and say, no, 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 no. I am going to believe what the Bible says about me and mine. And I'm going to get confidence in that. And I'm going to see change. I'm going to see blessing. Yes. And you are not playing on the outside of the field when you're doing that. You're right in the game, brothers. (laughs) You're right in the center of it. I think if we were to look at a a godly example, I I think if we were to look at a godly example of a father, I think we could look at Abraham. You know, brothers... If we want to, to, to be, you know, study about a 
a biblical father, Abraham is, Abraham is a good one to study about. Because Abraham came up with the exact same things in life that you and I do. Doubts. Concerns. Impossibilities. 99 years old and to father a child? 90 year old woman with him? Hey, I don't know about what you think, but that seems like just about an impossibility. But what was different about Abraham? What did he believe? He believed the promise that was given to him that he would be a father of many nations. The Bible says in fact and he was, that he did not even stagger at the promise. And the Bible says that it was counted to him for righteousness because he believed God. Is it any different for you and I? If we believe God, is that a good thing? It is. Does it help us? It does. Abraham, who left his nation based on the word of God and went to another nation just based on God telling him to get up and go. He gets up and goes. He marries a woman. They don't have any children. God comes along and tells him, you're going to be the father of many nations. He's 99, she's 90. Finally, they have a child. Isaac. Isaac's growing up. God speaks to him and says, I want you to take that boy of yours and I want you to sacrifice him on the altar. Now, wouldn't you think, brothers, that if you're in this situation, after waiting that length of time for your blessing to come, for your answer to come, do you think that you'd be so willing to give it up so fast? Or would you tend to hang on a bit? I know I would. I'd tend to hang on to that just a bit because I waited a long time for that blessing. And that blessing's mine, and am I really hearing from God here? See how that's pertinent to you and I? But what does Abraham do? He's an example of a godly father. The Bible says he's the father of us all. It's in him we're blessed. Because he was faithful, we're blessed. But what does Abraham do? Instead what he does is he hears the word of God and begins to prepare to follow his instructions. Takes his boy, takes him up, takes him up to the mountain. But here's something about Abraham that I really, you see, this, this is something here now we've got to pay attention to. Because Abraham heard the promises of God, understood them, and he let nothing in the middle get in to push those promises aside, to make him waver at those promises. Because what, does he what did he tell the lad that was taking care of the ass, the donkey? What did he tell him? Anybody remember? Okay, he goes up the mountain, he goes up the part way, he, he talks to the young fella, and he says, listen, you look after the donkey, me and the lad are going to go up into the mountain, and then we will return. You see, he had a confidence in what God was doing. He knew that Isaac was the promise, the promised child. God had promised it. 
He was going to be a father of many nations. He didn't stagger at the promise. And he didn't stagger at the, what seemed to be the negative part of the promise. He believed God and knew that God was either going to raise that boy from the dead or stop his hand, whatever. And as it was, the angel stopped him and said, you know what? The angel said, now I understand. You truly do love God. You truly do want to follow him more than anything else. That's why I'm paraphrasing that, but that's basically what it was. And the boy said, Father, I see the wood, see the altar. Where's the sacrifice? Abraham said, Son, God will provide a sacrifice. And there it was, stuck in the thicket. You see, we need to pay attention to some of these godly men. What would we do in that situation? Let's, let's judge ourselves. Let's question ourselves. Let's ask. What do we do when God speaks to us and asks us to do something? What do we do when God promises us something? Do we trust in that promise? Do we, we, are we willing to, to put our lives on the line for that promise? Are we, are we willing to go that distance? Do we believe God that much? See, it's possible. It's possible just to believe God that much that you're just going to do what He asks you to do. And you're going to believe that what He has promised will actually come to pass. Even if it seems like it's going kind of sideways. You see, I've, I've used that when it comes to children. See, sometimes when you're, when you're raising your babies and they start getting out there just Feeling the, feeling the world a little bit, you, can, you, 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 need, to, you need to understand and, 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 and get into the word and you need, to, you need to understand that promise that says that household salvation is for today. You need to understand that, that he, he's, he's caring for your children. He'll look after them. You need to trust in that. And it's, I, I'm, I know with Shannon, sometimes it was hard for her when, we were, when things were, you know, because our, our, our girls... And Caleb too. They they, they, no, no, they weren't perfect. I'm not going to try to sit here and you know, lie to you and say they were just the greatest kids in the world. They're great kids, sure. But they all had their times. They all went through their times. And it's hard for a mother. It is hard for a mother sometimes to just hold back and not get into the emotion of things. But we have to pray. Us as fathers, we have to encourage our wives. Encourage them in the promises of God. Encourage them and say, hold it. The Holy Spirit can do more for our children in 30 seconds than you and I can do yelling at them for 30 years. You know that? I'm just sharing some real experiences here that may just come your way. Trust in the Lord. There's others in here I know you can, you can witness to what I'm saying. You can witness to the fact that you've been praying and it didn't look so good at first but God's been doing some things. And it's looking better and it's getting better and God's working here and working there. Don't give up. Don't give up. Stay with it. Hallelujah. Abraham a godly example to us. When we leave this place today, 
I hope we, as fathers, will go away with the attitude that we can do better. We all can do better. We can do better in the area of just listening to what God's wanting us to do. Some good instruction from heaven. We can spend some time in the Word. Get into the Bible. Get some understanding. Get some knowledge and some wisdom in our lives so that we can be the blessing to our families. Amen? We can do that. It's not that hard. Amen? Glory to God. God loves you. He loves us. We're, we're important. We're important in the kingdom of God. Glory to God. We are. Hallelujah. And you know heaven's listening to us? They don't pay attention to us when we're all in, the, in their fleshly things or whatever. Maybe, But what they're, you know, the Bible says that we're, we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Heaven's paying attention. Heaven's paying attention when you're walking with the, things, when you're walking with the Lord. Amen. We hope you've been blessed by this teaching from Coley Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Holy Community Church, a place where families come together.